0: Hello and welcome to the Higher Gear CIO podcast series. I'm Kelly Kearrens, president of Celtic QA Solutions. In today's segment on leaders, leadership systems and the impact on culture, Walt Carter, John Vineyard and Pat Romboletti will discuss the behaviors behind culture and what constitutes a genuine change in culture. Thank you, Kelly. Um, Everyone talks about culture. Everyone agrees it's very critical. Um, but um, nobody—if you ask someone for a definition, they'll stumble over a definition. Um, this is a definition I found. I don't remember uh, the source. It's way too good to be something I made up. <laughs> but but it's a it's a, a definition that I think hits all of us. This is that culture is the set of customs, traditions, values, and behaviors of an organization or community. The culture is reflected in the behavior norms which are defined and known, promoted, allowed, or condoned. In an organization with a strong, well-deployed culture, the members of the organization know the culture and behave accordingly. To not do so would typically mean the individual does not fit in the organization and will not typically be allowed to stay. Pat, in our last session, you made a comment that Uh, It was just, it was, you know, one of your pearls of wisdom, but you said when you you tell people to go into the organization and look at what's really going on, you know, what's happening here, what's really going on. And I think that hits the essence of that definition. Would you like to speak to that uh, for a minute?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and and, and I, I don't know if I mentioned this, but to me it starts for them when people say to me, I don't know if this is gonna be the right company for me, but they've got this opportunity and I'm looking at it. Um, I tell them that one of the ways they'll know is how they're treated in the interview because how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm-hmm. And if they are not being, Um, respected in the interview process. If they don't get a chance to ask questions, which believe it or not, probably in 80% of the chance, uh, situations, they get a chance at the end, they'll say, do you have any questions when there's two minutes left, but not like a dialogue. Um, So point being, that's an indication of the culture. Are you a lecturing culture or a listening culture, right? And that comes in the interview process, right? So that's even step one. Um, then once they land and they're inside and it's you know they've they've accepted the fact that the interview process went well, um, what I tell them is once you get inside, watch the, the what's being said and wa- watch what's being done, and what's being done always speaks louder ultimately than what's being said, right? Um, and and watch whether. You know, many times my candidates are the senior level. So they, my clients, they've met with the CEO and the CEO has told them one thing. The very first thing I tell them is as you're onboarding in those early days, you've heard it from the top, see how that has been translated down into the organization on a day to day basis. Because the culture isn't saved for the annual meeting. It's not saved for the event. It's it should be how they're operating on a day to day basis, and if there's a disconnect, um, be alert to it because you're going to have to adapt to that.
0: Walt, would you like to add to that, please?
2: Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, I can shed a little bit of a of a reverse uh, picture or maybe some dark light here. Um, yeah, I've been part of cultures in the past where things were not right. And it was obvious from the get-go that things were not right. And, uh, and, and in both cases, uh, it felt like, yeah, you know, why is everybody so nervous here? Why is everybody so hesitant to take a stand on anything? Why in an organization where your job is to get things done, is it so hard to get somebody to make a commitment to a path? What causes that? And and in in both of those organizations that I was a part of, it was because the the guy at the top was really and it was a guy in both cases. Uh, it was uh, a, a you know a fellow that uh, I think ultimately we found out had schizophrenia. Uh, and had voices talking to him, but he would come through and just, you know, fire people indiscriminately, uh, uh, and uh, it was a very odd thing. I I worked for a guy who reported into the CEO uh, in that culture, and uh, he would come back from a meeting with the CEO, turn on loud rock music in his office, shut the door, and you couldn't talk to him for a few hours. He said, I just need to decompress I just had, you know, a brush with insanity, and I don't want to pass that along to anybody, Uh, and uh, in another organization, the guy I don't think was, you know, certifiable in any way. He just was a entrepreneur that had done things himself, had gotten used to be able to grab the bull by the horns and shake it and make things happen, Uh, and he was very, very much Uh, used to the idea that he could walk through any area of now a much larger company and grab the bull again and shake things into the position that he wanted them. Unfortunately, he was not always aligned with the people that he had had assigned responsibility to those departments or or compartments of his business. And, And consequently, he kept losing key staff members at the senior level because he was going really around them, through them, bulldozing through them to, you know, make decisions that frankly, he had already delegated. Uh, so it's not micromanagement. It wasn't telling you as a manager, you need to go make these things happen. It was literally going around you and doing it. And, and then it, and, and in that particular business, it got so bad that they had to relocate from here in Atlanta to Texas in order to hire staff. They, they had such a bad reputation after a while, particularly at the senior leadership levels, they had already tried interestingly paying people a lot of money to stay and to attract candidates in, but they couldn't keep them even with, you know, incredibly good uh, pay compensation plans. Mm -hmm. So, so there's a couple of places where, you know, that, like I said, the, the dark light shines very quickly. So when you come in, if I was one of your clients, Pat, I, I'm I'm all ears now. I'm I'm and all eyes looking at what 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 is what's the psychology of the organization, right? How do they kind of work together or not work together, right? Is this an island of many silos, uh, right, or is this you know an island where everybody's working together and and you know collaborating? Uh, you know, I saw something earlier too on you know just the collaboration. Notion of culture, which had to do with: Are you somebody that is a simplifier, or are you somebody that's a multiplier? Uh, and and usually, what you need in a culture is one of each, or or at least pairings that that you know are you know capable of seeing the opportunities and getting there, but then rationalizing and simplifying in order to make it simple and straightforward for people to see what the multiplier sees. And so when you walk into an organization like the two I just described, what you don't see is collaboration mm-hmm. at all, whether yeah. whether it's, you know, one kind or the other. Right. And, uh, and, and whenever you see that, I think that's a that's a clear bell ringing that says you need to get the heck out of here. Yeah. This is not right. Yeah. Um, well, so well, let me let stop me, there.
0: Let me add to, let me add to that. Walt. uh you said, are you a, a, simplifier or a multiplier? Uh, when I was thinking about our session today, I think there are four levels of intelligence for leaders. Uh, the lowest level is someone that can take something simple and sound, make it sound complex. Uh-huh. Um, I've seen consultants to try to do that so they can convince the client that they need their help. Uh, <laughs> the, um, you know, anybody can describe something simple, but that, simply that's simple. And we can describe something complex that's complex. But I think the highest form of intelligence is somebody that can take something complex and our organizations are complex. You know, the business model, the interrelationships, the culture, they're complex. But as leaders, we have to describe those simply. And that's our job as leaders is if we can't, uh, the best leaders I've ever seen, the one that comes to mind quickest is Colin Powell, he had a unique ability to take a very complex situation and decry, describe it in simple terms you know for short medium and long term actions so your uh, your comment Walt really struck me with
1: yeah i i have to share what when you said something and i was thinking back to my discussion about now as a as a executive coach leadership coach for for folks um, getting them to 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 dis- discern something in the interview process and then look Get a, get a barometer reading, as you say, right? Like, was everybody nervous? Um, when I was a recruiter, I used to require the CEO walk me around the building. So we would meet to talk about doing the search. And then I would, and and nine out of 10 times, they would say, we have a very open culture. I know everybody in the building, you know, yada, yada, yada. They'd sell me Disneyland um, as their culture. And I'd say, well, gosh, I, it sounds so exciting. Can I walk with you and, and visit you know, the tour of the building. And sometimes they'd say, well, I have so-and-so. No, I'd really like to go with you. I want to see it through your eyes. Right. And I can tell you that we would, I remember this one situation vividly for um, a CEO up in the Bay area. And he took me through the organization and this, I know everybody's name, everybody, you know, we're all one big family. He would, we would walk into the department and people, they were still, back in the day of more cubicles than not. And people would duck down. Like nobody stood up and said, hey, Bob, how you doing? Hey, Bob, good to see you. Nobody. They ducked down. And we got back to the office and I said, I I really couldn't do this search. I really couldn't because what you think you have and what you have are two different things. And I I don't, I I have to explain to the candidate what the culture is here. I can't do that. So it's, it's so interesting, we were talking at the beginning about this culture come from the top. Um, sometimes that's a fantasy land up here, like I think it's this, and then you test it out by just walking around the building with them, and it's, it doesn't even begin to line up.
2: Yeah. So one, one thing that, you know, is interesting to me is this, this notion, and I'm finding myself in a questioning mode today. So forgive me, but you know, I, I had a couple of experiences where the culture wasn't defined by the person at the top. And so let me just see if I can summarize those real quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, when I was a officer trainee, John, years ago down in San Antonio, I, uh, I, I found myself uh, drafted into a squadron of you know officer trainees. It was squadron number nine uh, at, uh, at the base there. And uh, we were the red hot squadron and Captain Cooley was our uh, our squadron commander, and he was real Air Force, real captain, and a pilot, a fighter pilot, not just any Air Force guy, but a real honest-to-goodness brown leather jacket wearing fighter pilot. And uh, Captain Cooley's team made sure that we all knew that Captain Cooley had expectations of us trainees right from day one. For instance, when Captain Cooley came into the room, we would all rise to our feet and cheer as loudly as we could for Captain Cooley. And we would say his name as many times as we could. Cooley, Cooley, he's the best. Everybody else is just the rest. And so what, and and it wasn't Captain Cooley that was doing that. It was the people around him that were spreading that culture uh, and and by the way, Captain Cooley was just one of about 100 captains and majors and lieutenant colonels and colonels and a couple of Medal of Honor winners and a few uh, general officers that were on part of that officer trainee program there, uh, you know, at Lackland Air Force Base. Captain Cooley had defined a culture for his squadron. And and what he was doing was was rippling that through the other squadrons. By the way, we wound up being the right of line squadron, which is the best operational performing squadron for the course of the training. And I, I have come to believe over the years that a lot of that was driven by the way captain Cooley drove his culture in the middle, not at at the very top of the organization. Second example, I I played offensive line in college uh, at a small college in North Carolina. uh, And uh, we had a, a, very distinct culture in the offensive line part of the team, not the head coach's culture, the offensive line culture. Uh, We, we were Bubba's and we did things that nobody that I've ever seen on any other football team have ever done. Uh, We, we would take the balls away from the backs uh, and in our warmups, we would run as if we were the offensive backs and uh, receivers. And we would throw passes to each other, a bunch of big linemen, Take, and, and we took the balls away knowing that the little guys couldn't get them back from us without a fight and they weren't going to fight us. Um, and so during the warm-ups, it would be a routine thing for us to just go and pretend we were one of the other groups on the on the field. Um, our coach, our, our line coach, was a, a, a genius in many ways. You know, so one day, for instance, we're having a bad practice. Coach Davis said, you guys don't want to be here today, do you? go lay down in the woods. And we were like, what are you talking about? We can't, we can't just go lay down in the woods. And, and he said, no, 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 go lay down in the, in the woods or your your scholarships are all at risk. Uh, I'm telling you, go lay down in the woods. So we, we would lay down and every once in a while, one of us poke our head up, you know, because all the other guys are still out on the football field practicing. He's like, no, 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 no. Whatever it is, you guys are all concentrating on today. I don't want you to think about football because that can't be the most important thing to you. Otherwise you wouldn't be having this lackadaisical performance that got you into the woods in the first place. So just stop, get whatever that is that's on your mind all the way in your mind. And and don't think about the other guys out here busting their ass on your football team. Right. And of course, a few minutes went by and it felt like an eternity. And, and then he released us from, you know, our, our little, you know, abandonment into the woods. And we had the best practice you could imagine because we were so on fire to be participating in football that's the kind of guy this this guy was, but he was also very intentional about our culture and and you know I mean I could tell you about the overalls and the no t shirts and and all of the other stuff that went with being a bubba at Guilford college in in that era uh and and today here we are almost forty years later and all of us are still tight. We talk to each other. We email each other. We see each other every year at homecoming. But it's like no time has passed. And we've all got this common heritage that is really, really cool. Now, a lot of the other players from the football teams that, that were there during that period don't share in all of the details like we did. Just like with Captain Cooley, none of the other squadrons really ever caught on to what he was doing, I don't think, because they, they couldn't beat us. Right? And, and yet, those, those two middlemen defined cultures that created operational excellence. And I think that's a really cool thing to, to, to just kind of think about. I, I try to do that myself within my IT organization.
0: Well, uh, I, know, I know we've got about a minute left here. I wanna segue from that. Because what you were describing, I mean, organizations try to describe their vision, mission, values as that's the culture. And it's not the culture if nobody even knows what it is. Um, it's not the culture if they do know what it is. <clears throat> but culture is the behaviors, the tactics that you use to drive those behaviors in the organizations. And how do you measure your performance on those tactics in training and in reality? You know, if I, I can, I can see the culture in behavior. And I think Pat mentioned it's not the behavior of the leadership team. It's not the behavior of their direct reports. It's the behavior of every single employee. And I'll use a simple example. A man walks in a hospital at four o'clock in the morning and he's with his wife and she's obviously distressed and this guy is upset. The janitor walks up to her and says, sir, walks up to him and says, sir, I can tell you're very upset, but you're in the best place you could possibly be because the doctors in this hospital are the best doctors on earth. You'll be well taken care mm-hmm. of
1: that's the culture. That's a culture. That's a caring culture. That's that, That's been defined for them, that whatever you do and, and how that works um, in a system, a, a, you know, where that, that really is a, a system that's been established. Mm-hmm. And when a system is established, the, the main way that makes that successful is we are a caring culture and you can, you can suspend other things if you need to in order to be caring so in other words if so they'll allow the permission that if you have a deadline that somebody can only be in that spot for five minutes but they're there and you can see they're in stress I in the top have a system whereby I give you permission to disregard the other order to fulfill the culture of caring that to me is where it boils down to
0: yep That's very interesting and actually is a great segue into uh, leadership systems and discussing leadership systems. So, John, would you like to uh, open the topic of discussion on leadership systems? Thank you for joining us for the Higher Gear CIO podcast series on leaders, leadership systems, and the impact on culture. Join us for episode five, where we dive deeper into leadership systems.